and welcome back to Hey Look Listen. My name is Liam Sheehan and I'm joined here by good buddy of mine, Kevin O'Carroll. Kev, will we ever stop doing Resident Evil episodes? Uh, as long as they keep making Resident Evil games, we'll keep talking about them because we have nothing better to do. I, have we finally... Is this it though, do you think? For I was thinking our, about it. Yeah. <laughs> Were you? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think we, we spoke about it before and I can't remember if it was on air or not about how basically, you know, Zero probably doesn't deserve an episode. Yeah. Um, Code Veronica definitely doesn't deserve an episode. Mm. Mm. Okay, interesting. <laughs> I, I could talk about Steve Burnside yeah. for half an hour, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Code Veronica just has... It's interesting. It's an interesting game. There's just... There's a there's a couple of things wrong with it that... I don't know. There's a, there's a bit of ick there as well, as well as it being like not a great game. Um, when you say a bit of ick, do you mean the flesh-eating zombies? No, I mean more the, the transphobia <laughs> stuff. <laughs> do you mean the spooky mutants? I think you do. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading between the lines. I know what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I, just, I just don't like the zombies. This is the last... Like, we've done one and two and three. I'm just, I'm just rattling it off my head. We did, we did, we've done them all, except for... And we skipped four, essentially, Yeah. of the main series. I talked about it before on this podcast, like... It might be one of the most talked about games ever, so maybe this is like a foolhardy thing we're doing. But obviously, yeah. we're doing it because it got an amazing remake a couple of months ago. Yeah, I, mean, I just I feel like doing a podcast episode about Resident Evil Four is a bit like <laughs> I don't know, showing up to a friend's house to have a conversation with them and going like, "Have you seen Godfather? It's actually <laughs> really good." I just watched a little show called The Sopranos recently. Yeah, yeah kind of thing i know i have it, it could just be in my own head like i i i have crazy anxiety with these things but i just have like a little you know our small little you know viewership i just imagine them going oh fucking resident evil again <laughs> what more do they have to say about this franchise very little very little thank god a new one came out but before we get onto it properly and we talk about leon s kennedy saving the president's daughter from those cheeky europeans um kev what are you playing is it still zelda it's still Zelda. I don't know if I have room in my life or my heart for anything other than Zelda. Maybe ever again. I think I'll, I'll, I'll probably just keep playing this and then and then I die. I guess I don't know. It's um, it's, it's girthy. Just, it's a girthy it, game. It is. It is. It is girthy and it is long and it pleases me greatly. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's just excellent. It, it's like. Every time I sit down with it, I'm like, will I do some main story stuff? Cool, I'll do that. That's excellent. I'm like, no, I don't want to do main story stuff this time. I'll go hunting for shrines. And they're always excellent design. And then I'm like, okay, I won't do the main stuff. I won't do the shrines. I'll just fill in some some side quests. And even they're great. Like, So I, I, I've yet to find something in the game that I haven't really gelled with. If I'm to nitpick at all and to like really pick at nits, my only issues are... My big issue is the cooking. I, yeah, I, I always felt like a spoiled sport, but I never enjoyed the cooking in the first one either in Breath that's of the Wild. One, that's exactly what I'm saying, is, is that that was... Like, people were complaining about the weapon degradation in Breath of the Wild, and I was like, nah, fine, leave that, all good. Fix the cooking. And they introduced, like, the fuse system in this to sort of temper the, the weapon deg thing and make the weapon system more interesting and make sort of the combat sandbox more interesting there's more enemy variation stuff as well so they really have targeted that complaint and then the cooking is completely changed in a really disappointing way it's um but you know you can save it it saves recipes for you 
Yeah, but it's really unintuitive to yeah. to get there and like if you could interact with a cook fire and it brings up like a cooking menu and you just pick what recipe you want from a yeah. list, you know, yeah. that'd be great. But having to manually go into the menu and like choose five different items to hold and then walk over and drop them into a pot and then watch an animation and listen to the song and then a text box pops up and then you dismiss it and then you restart the entire thing. Especially because if you're going doing something in the game, you're going to want to cook like 10 different meals or something. It's the same in so Breath of the Wild. I usually put it off for as long as I can. Yeah, absolutely. Because it just feels like busy work. So yeah, I mean, cooking aside, it's arguably the greatest video game ever made and I'll fight any man who says different. But yeah, the, the cooking is an issue. I'm kind of glad you kind of picked some nits there because, you know, I don't want... I find it. I find um, frothing hyperbole is always the worst way to like sell a game. And I'm kind of like I'm finished. My time with it is done for now. I didn't I didn't sweep that game clean, but I did lots and lots. And it's just an impossible game. Mm. It's one of the greatest achievements of video game design I've ever seen in my entire life. At just like a, a fundamental mechanical level, and what they managed to pull off, and what they managed to pull off on the fucking Nintendo Switch. Yeah, a glorified handheld, a glorified mobile. Surely, surely the switch is swan song, you know, and I, I don't say this as an opinion. I say this as a fact. And sometimes us Nintendo fans, we can be very, uh, you know, we can position ourselves in a very kind of like, oh, I don't really care about graphics. I care about more about art. And we say that in almost like kind of a precious kind of, you know, snobby kind of way. Yeah. But it's not a, it's not a, an opinion. It's fact. They deprioritize, you know, cutting edge graphics and and, and frame rate and they just managed, I don't know how they wrung this game out of the Switch. Yeah. And just from reading online, a lot of fucking developers don't know how they did it either. They're sort of just like in awe of what Nintendo managed to pull off. And and that and and it's not the most graphically powerful thing ever, but it the performance of the game is fantastic. Yeah, the, the especially because so much of it is based around like shooting up it into the air like a big old skyboy. Um <laughs> the draw distances on this thing are yeah. outrageous. Like you compare can, it to, there's much more like visually high fidelity games, like the that recent Horizon game that came out last year or something, and that's plagued with popping even after like launch and patches. Like you're running along on your little robot horse, and there's like trees just appearing in front of you. Whereas Breath of the Wild is being made on a, a Nokia thirty two ten, and <laughs> you can just fly up into the sky and see the breadth of an entire nation underneath you. It's just it's wild. The and I. And now that I'm done with it, I'm allowing myself to look at, you know, spoiler, just online stuff in general, because I don't yeah. mind about being spoiled. And just the things, the the sheer creativity that people are managing to come up with just through its um, central mechanics. Yeah. And like people beforehand were saying, oh, they're reusing the same high rule. You know, why did this take six years? And if anyone pl- if anyone plays this game and doesn't understand why it took six years to make, you're just foolish. It's like the systems that are in place, the mechanics how well they work in an open world and how people can do wacky things with this game and mess up with it. But I don't, I think people struggle to break it. And with the mechanics yeah. that are in place, that is a huge achievement. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. huge. Yeah. What I'd say is sort of a, as, as a code on it, because I think you're right that like the, the sort of, as you put it, the frothing enthusiasm can be <laughs> off-putting to people, especially <laughs> if people maybe had been dealing with the frothing enthusiasm for Breath of the Wild. And yes. now I have to listen to these same frothing idiots froth even harder about a new game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I get that. that. That's massively off-putting. And I know people who um, are maybe considering dipping their toe into this 
this franchise or this part of the franchise for the first time. If you're in any way unsure of it, um, Skill Up on YouTube has an excellent uh, video review covering the game with clearly defined spoilers that you can either watch if you're interested or you can skip. So if you're interested in sort of the how it plays as a game, you know, maybe a little bit about the story, how it looks, Skill Up's review is excellent for that. If you're interested in it as a sort of a creativity sandbox, on Reddit, there's um, a subreddit called Hyrule Engineering, which is basically <laughs> just a load of fucking goons making weird shit in Zelda, making robots, making torture devices for Koroks. And it is wild. The creativity on show is absolutely insane. So if you're in doubt about the game but you think you might enjoy it, check out one of those two sources, see if it's something you might have fun with, and I can firmly recommend. And, and to add to that, I also think if you're in doubt about the game and you've started it and you've played it and and perhaps you haven't clicked with it perhaps it you know maybe breath of the wild isn't some people's version of what zelda should be and this game doubles down and everything breath of the wild is i actually do think there is a kind of appear i do i I think people who initially dislike this game after a couple hours mightn't i think the mechanics kind of sink into you the way to play the game kind of sinks into you and your brain kind of gets trained. I, I look back at my first 10, 20 hours of that game, some shrines I did, and I was like, what was I doing? Yeah. You know, and I think as soon as you get you, it can, it can feel finicky at first, um, mm-hmm. the ultra hand and, and creating things and stuff like that. But I don't know. It, 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 I, I'd never had a negative attitude towards this game from the get-go, but I definitely enjoyed it even more 10 hours in. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You, you kind of do need to rewire your brain a little bit to see the opportunities that the developers are putting in front of you based on the skill set that they give you at the start. And then yeah. the next step after that is to see the opportunities that they haven't intentionally put in front of you. Yeah. Because because every every object or item in the game is interactable in some way with one of the four powers. You just need to come up with it. And as you said, the fact the fact that you can do all this stuff without sort of breaking the game is a real testament to the the, the level of work that went into this now, now it, it's a feature, not a bug, that you can break the game in terms of um, mm. solving puzzles however you want. When I say break the game, I mean, like, it's very hard to glitch it out and, oh, yeah. and yeah. soft lock it and stuff like that. It's just, it's kind of, like, too well made a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, real quick before we before we move on, I played the Final Fantasy sixteen demo, Kev. Yes, I am extremely interested. Extremely <laughs> frothingly interested. I am physically interested. <laughs> it's like you know, it just I just feel like as an an old nostalgic man, like we're about to talk about the Resident Evil 4 remake that came out and we had a new Zelda and a new Final Fantasy. I'm sort of like getting all my kind of big franchises this year. The sixteen yeah, sure. demo is the sixteen demo is classic. It's one of the best demos ever made in terms of like it gives you like the, the opening like two and a half hours of the game, which is a really clear prologue and it's such a strong prologue. And then after you complete that, it it throws you further into the game to let you okay. in a kind of way. I'm, we're going to sh- give you more abilities and show you what the combat's really like when you can like mess with things. Yeah. And the combat seems like really good. Uh, and I'll talk about this game further in this podcast down the line in these sections when I play it uh, soonish. But um, I just want to say the story seems really good. It seems like properly good. Like characters like feel like human beings. There's a bit at the start where two villainous people are like really like horny for each other <laughs> and one of them like motorboats her motorboats the girl and i was like whoa is this happening in my final fantasy but beyond beyond that it's a little bit more sexy and mature it's also just like these people are acting like real humans not like anime humans or anything like that 
This is believable stuff. They're they're finally putting the fantasy into Final Fantasy. (laughs) Exactly. And there's like a a, a villainous character who's introduced in the opening couple of hours and she's genuinely loathsome. I'm just like this is great, and like the, the the main character seems really good. Like the voice actors are astounding. Yeah, I've uh, heard I've heard some some really positive feedback about the the guy voicing the. the oh yeah, he, he has he has a delivery of "I will fucking kill you." That needs to go in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most. That's actually the, the line that I had I saw pointed out to me. Is like he said that that's the line that sort of <laughs> has secured him the best voiceover role at the next <laughs> Jeff Healy Awards. Yeah, biggest compliment I say is that like two compliments. Like every time the screen faded black, I was like, that's the end of the demo. And it kept going. So what an incredibly generous demo. Cause I think they just knew that their opening prologue that ends on like a big dramatic moment will, will sell this game yeah. to anyone on defense. But also the another compliment is like when it ended, I went, Oh no, I'm invested. I really <laughs> want to see what's going to happen in this crazy awesome. fantasy world. And there's a Kev, there's a thing called an, um, I think it's called active time lore. Okay. Where anytime during gameplay and in cutscenes, you can press a button and like lore comes up, and and so you can read about it. And I was kind of like, that's very Final Fantasy thirteen to me. Mm. It's kind of forcing you to kind of read up on things because like the, the the lore is thick. But um, the main difference is I'm interested. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The main difference is it's good this time. <laughs> yeah, um, but just before we move on, out of interest yeah. to your knowledge, is that the first fuck in a mainstream Final Fantasy game? There's a lot of swearing in it. I mean, I mean, when I say this is like mature, it's violent. Mm. Uh, there's swearing. Yeah, it's there's a character. There's a bit where I won't say what's happening. And one character literally goes fuck, 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 fuck. People are swearing like left, right, and center in this one. This is kind of um, like Final Fantasy games choose their own tones. Like you know the ones yeah. I grew up with were quite romantic. Like, they're really going in on let's do a kind of adult kind of mature take. Like, like I the sound bite is it's Game of Thrones meets Final Fantasy kind of thing. You know. Fantastic. Uh, I don't think there's a there's definitely a, there's a really well played shit in Final Fantasy VII Remake. They get Eric to say it, and it's the most adorable thing. Yes, and yes. and I'm sure there's more, but I, off the top of my head, I can't remember. Fuck. Obviously, in the original Final Fantasy VII game, there's those bleeped out swearing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the characters um, are supposed to be saying. I haven't played it, but I can only assume that um that Stranger of Paradise from from the bits <laughs> I have seen, I can only assume that there's something in there as well. Well, if you have a character who like literally canonically listens to Limp Bizkit, then yeah, yeah, he's going he's going to be swearing, right? He's going to break stuff. That's, that's exactly it. Okay, Zelda, Final Fantasy. Now we're moving on to Resident Evil. It's nine ninety six all over again, baby. I, I know. Now, very specific, but I've said it many times. Resident Evil Four is very specifically my second favorite game of all time. Yeah, my history with it is that Resident Evil was my brother's franchise. I was Zelda boy, Final Fantasy boy, Metal Gear Solid boy, Mario boy, and I used to like watch my brother play Resident Evil games, and I played them. I played them as well. Like friends would come over and I'd play them. Uh, I loved the characters and the world and the zombies. And actually, Resident Evil is what got me into. I know zombies is a tired genre now, but it got me into like Romero movies, and I was yeah. a huge kind of zombie nerd and film fan. And it was Resident Evil first, but I never finished one. I never like sat down and did. Resident Evil 2, back to back to back, you know, Resident Evil 3. Uh, Resident Evil 4 was kind of, you know, the big change. And I was I remember poring over gaming magazines when it was coming out because it looked so weird and interesting. And when I finally got it, like, it immediately became one of my favorite games of all time. But can you remember the kind of mild controversy that they were, like, turning it into an action game? Yeah, for sure. I think 
mild is maybe underselling it. There's a lot of um, a lot of angry nerds. Angry video game nerds. Is that trademark? Can we say that? <laughs> but uh, but people kind of forget that the kind of consensus that I was feeling at the time was people were kind of getting sick of classic Resident Evil. Yeah. You mentioned it earlier on. It was your Resident Evil Zero. It was sort of, um, I know they have fan base, but it was kind of those outbreak games, the kind of online ones for the mm-hmm. for the PlayStation 2. That just the kind of, Resident Evil wasn't kind of, you know, it was kind of resting on its laurels and kind of repeating itself. As And as much as post-Resident Evil 4, where like when 5 started coming out and all the action games, people became immediately nostalgic for the more fixed cameras, puzzle-orientated yeah. Resident Evil games. But there was a huge kind of, cry for something new at the time and i still remember feeling it and i always just I'm, like it's one of the many things i'm super impressed with with um capcom and the resident Evil franchise well it's it was such an audacious thing to do like wh- even if they didn't execute it well mm. what a fucking brave thing to do like you i i, I can't think of any major triple a franchise that kind of did something so wildly different with it with its uh fourth or whatever iteration yeah, I know. I, I'm trying to frankly think of examples. I suppose, like, not on the same scale, but the the Yakuza games going turn based seven games in was a big swing. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good one. Did you remember your history with? Did you get it on the GameCube when it came out? Because weirdly enough, this was a GameCube exclusive. This was the era where Capcom kind of hitched their wagon to Nintendo, which for me as a young Nintendo fan, I thought that was a cool partnership, and it birthed some of the best GameCube games like the Resident Evil 1 remake mm. stuff like uh, weird th- stuff like Beautiful Joe uh, these were all initially GameCube exclusives but GameCube because it was a purple box with a handle on the back of it was regarded as a toy a toy and it was that kind of generation where games were growing up and Nintendo was kind of viewed as the kiddie market the kiddie side of the market Wind Waker went full cartoonish stuff like that so it was an odd a console to put Resident Evil 4 on and it actually didn't pay off because as much as it's critically lauded and beloved now it didn't actually sell well when it came out on on the GameCube so did you have it on the GameCube no no I I, ne- I never had a GameCube damn you yeah. never had the handle never had if, the you handle. Wanted to br- if you wanted to bring it to a friend's house you would just use that handle <laughs> I thought you had to buy a new GameCube every time and set them up in your friend's house I mean in hindsight obviously um no I never had a GameCube I played Resident Evil 4 for the first time on the PS4 port of it. Jeepers, creepers. Yeah, I didn't so realize I, I, that at all. I came to, no, I, I'm t- I tell a lie. I, pl- I finished it for the first time on the PS4. Mm. I played it for the first time in your house uh, during the, the summer of the one leg. Um, when I had one leg and we were playing games. Yeah. I, didn't re- I don't have any memory that that was your first time playing Resident Evil 4. What a, what a blind spot yeah, <laughs> that because, was for you. Because we didn't play through it. We played about 10 minutes of it and I hated how it controlled and it disappointed yeah. you pretty fundamentally. <laughs> you hated Prince of Persia Sands of Time as well. So much. I still haven't gone back, though. I've never played a Prince of Persia game. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just... I, the, the the control scheme for 4 just didn't click with me at all. Yeah. Um, during that the drunken 15 minutes when we played it in your house. And I kind of let it go and forgot about it until came across it on the PS4 many years later. Gave it a go, and once you get used to that control scheme, mm. it's absolute genius. I mean, the whole game is genius, but it, it's it's all predicated around those clunky controls. And uh, the, the remake, which we'll get to, kind of trods all over this manifesto. Mm. 
But I've always said about the controls of Resident Evil 4 is that, yeah, they control weird, but they're not bad. They basically took the tankish controls of the more corridor-y, fixed-camera earlier games and plopped them into an action game. So Leon can't aim and run at the same time. Anytime you need to aim at your gun, you have to do it from a standing position. So it kind of... It turns you less into kind of a, a killing machine. It makes you more vulnerable. Uh, it makes you have strategize. Now, that by itself isn't kind of a justification, but I've always argued that the whole game is designed around that control scheme. Absolutely. You don't really have enemies that kind of can take advantage of you because you can't run and shoot. Mm. And I know people now, especially with the remake out, you have people, it's like, it, it's kind of become harder to defend those controls. But this isn't how games controlled in 2004 or whenever it came out. This, this at the time was criticized, you know? It yeah. was always a weird choice. It's not that like games, <laughs> it's not that it's archaic and that's how games used to control. But I just think it's such a fundamentally great piece of design from top to bottom that the, the control scheme kind of, I don't know, complements the rest of the game. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's all of the enemy AI is predicated on the idea that you have to stand your ground and stand still to fight back. So enemies, rather than rushing you, they'll kind of, they'll run, they'll get within about 10 feet of you and then they'll slow down. And normally, if there's a crowd of them, they'll kind of spread out a bit and they'll come at you from the sides, but they'll approach slowly, which gives you time to sort of pick your shots. Um, and then you can you can do things like shoot weapons out of their hands or shoot their knees to stagger them and do mad suplexes and kicks and stuff. Um, but the whole the whole gameplay, the whole combat sandbox is predicated on the idea that you have to stand still to aim. And it's all balanced around that as well. And it works brilliantly once you get your head around it. But it was extremely off-putting to begin with. I can totally <laughs> understand someone just not gelling with it, particularly yeah. someone nowadays going back to it. Yeah, and not a scary game, nope. but an incredibly tense one, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's... It's this this divide between you know survival horror and action horror, um, which is sort of I don't know. There's there's some truth to it in like game the, the, the sort of the structural differences between the games, and then a lot of it is just sort of nerds finding something to be angry about. Um, <laughs> but four is a lot more generous with like ammo drops and things. Like you don't have to save your shots and, and counter shots the way you do in the previous games um you will be punished for having ropey accuracy though yeah there is that kind of element where if you if you're missing a lot of shots you're going to find the game much harder you know to a point because, i think so well because the game has uh, a dynamic difficulty slider oh yeah it, i totally never, i totally it never I, tells you about i totally led you into saying that and i completely remembered it yeah thank you <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's one of the, the genius things about the game, um, designed by uh, the great Shinji Mikami. Mm -hmm. um, basically, the game has a, a sort of a hidden difficulty slider in the background that essentially the better you're playing, the game sort of cranks up the difficulty a little bit. Enemies start to have a little bit more uh, hit points, take a little bit more damage to put down. They do a little bit more damage when they hit you. If you're still doing well, it'll actually increase enemy spawn rates so encounters will have more enemies present um, if you're doing badly those enemies get taken out uh, the enemy ai becomes less aggressive it gives you time to sort of pick your shots a bit more and this is all happening in the background it never it never tells you about it so 
each person's playthrough is sort of in a way tailored to them that like if you're doing well for the first half of the game and you struggle when you get to like the castle or something the game will pull its punches a little bit so you're staying in that sort of that flow state that that sort of that that, that graph between you know difficulty and uh, player skill is staying in that straight line in the middle where you're you're still in it you don't realize that the game is, is tweaking it to sort of keep you there but it doesn't matter because you're still there you know i feel like that was a secret for years it was yeah yeah I, it was it's never been in any of the like official press releases for it Shinji Mikami has never directly spoken about it although i believe he did implement a more overt system in uh is it god hand i haven't played yeah. it i believe you uh, me neither actually oh, I you haven't? Okay. no yeah. no i missed that one i missed that one yeah very big cost following that has a similar thing but it actually it puts the difficulty dial on screen mm. where as you play the better you play the difficulty dial visibly ratchets up and the difficulty of the game does the same or it'll downgrade if you're doing badly um i think with resi 4 the only place it was ever officially stated was in like an official tie-in guidebook and it's in just one paragraph where it's mentioned and that's it um, someone must have felt like they found the ark of the covenant when they found that yeah for sure like, what, what is this <laughs> secret text and it's probably what leads to the game being like such an amazing roller coaster, just like constantly enjoyable. Uh, like it kind of mix that up with how kind of well paced the game is anyway. Yeah. How you move from set piece to set piece, you know, the variety. But now that you know it, do you like knowing it? That the game is kind of, you know, it, do you feel like the challenge is kind of cheapened a little bit? No, no, I, I, I don't think so. I think you get the experience in Resi 4 that you deserve. If you, get me. <laughs> you said that in a kind of almost like giving out to a child kind of way. I don't know. I don't know yeah. something about the way you said it. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, like I think knowing about it doesn't change it. It's not. A, it's not something you can turn off in a menu. It mm. like it, it might affect how you play. It's really interesting. It's actually a big part in uh, Resi Four speed running is mm. deliberately failing quick time events or deliberately letting yourself take damage from enemies to make the next encounter easier so you can get through it faster. Um, wow. it's, it, it's a really common technique in the speedrunning. It's really interesting. It's just strategically know when to trick the game into thinking that you're playing, playing badly. So the next set piece or the next encounter is tuned down a bit so you can get through it a couple of seconds faster. That's actually really interesting. It's kind of like, that's almost like playing two games at once. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, um, Resi, Resi 4 speedruns are fascinating because it's, it's such a well-paced game to see it played at speed kind of makes it seem even more ludicrous. So that's, and that's something we should talk about. It's silly. It's a silly, silly game. <laughs> Will we talk about the plot? Yeah, I think we should. I remember reading somewhere, and like I don't know where, it's a long time ago, I remember reading somewhere that Shinji Mikami absolutely hates the story of Resident Evil 4, and he wrote, he wrote it over a weekend. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> because, I, love, I love it, but yeah, I can see that. <laughs> because a little detail we should bring up is that Resident Evil 4... It was always meant to be this um, great um, upheaval of the franchise, a big change. But they went through a few iterations before they landed on action game set in rural Spain where you're rescuing the president's daughter. There was a version of this game where you were being followed by like a mist monster and something else. Can you remember what the other one was? No. Well, I'll edit that out then. But, but, <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean was, I, I understand him kind of go, like... When they finally settled on what the monster was going to be rather than zombies, it was going to be these infected villagers and other things. It does feel like 
you know, they came up with this amazing game with amazing mechanics, you know, controversial controls, but like all very good design. And they were just like, what is going on in this game? And then someone just like took a drag of a cigarette and went, President's daughter? Um, what? Cults? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so kind of hard to say because Resident Evil 4 Remake, which we get to, is so much more like textured. The setting and like it, the story is still in B movie territory, but it's just it feels so much more. But the original reeks of just like whatever, yeah, absolutely whatever. <laughs> I don't care, and it's in the dialogue, it's in the translation. So the story is that Leon, six years from surviving the Raccoon City outbreak, um, has become a fucking Japanese secret take agent. on a, a Japanese take on a secret agent man. He's super cool. He quips, and he's sent to vague i don't even think they say spain i always just think it, it, it's somewhere in a rural village in europe but it, it's supposed to be spain yeah. because a cult has kidnapped the president's daughter and you fight through first the crepe spooky village then you go into a, this massive castle complete with like roller coasters that connect rooms together yeah, <laughs> stuff like that yeah. you know europe stuff and then you go to a kind of a fort on an island where it's a little bit more kind of actual men with, with chain guns shooting at you and stuff like that and, you know, it brings back classic characters like Ada Wong, who has a secret agenda. There's, uh, what, what are they kept? Plaga. Las Plagas. Las Plagas. They're the, instead of T-virus turning people zombies in this one, it's a, a kind of a, a bug that's put inside people and turns, and everything like aesthetically is really cool about it. And when I kind of shit on the story, I do it out of utmost love. Yeah. It's one of the things I, 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 I remember seeing a comparison uh, video on YouTube, and this was definitely in my mind, but it was funny to see the comparison. There's like, you get Ashley, and she's with you for a lot of the game. We can talk about that in a second, but um, there's a bit where you get separated. And then the new one, it's this amazing cutscene where Leon gets stuck behind a cage. And she's stuck in a cage, sorry, and he's shooting all these people. And um, Ashley has to like run off with it. I, I, no, I'm sorry, it's, I'm, I'm getting a bit mixed up. It's later on where like um, she saves Leon from that cave, and then this um, one of the main villains comes and grabs her and stuff like that. In the original Resident Evil, it's so four, it's so lazy. She just goes no, and and he goes come back, and she runs to a dead end, like clearly just designed to be a dead end. Walks against the wall, and these bars come out of the wall and grab her, and then the wall rotates around and she's gone. Yeah. And I just took that for granted for years. I was like, yeah, that's fine. They're they're moving the plot on. Yeah, yeah. Leon, Leon and Ashley are separated. And it wasn't until I got a better version of the story of this game in the new one that I went, that's actually so lazy. Yeah, that's incredibly accurate architecture, isn't it? Like, <laughs> how, how far in advance did they have to plan that specific wall trap and then hope that she would run to exactly that spot, you know? <laughs> it's great. That's why we love it. And I, I've, said, I've said before... Like it, it, he has one-liners. The, the the famous one is uh, "Where's everyone going?" Bingo. My favorite one is "What did you say?" Insect life can't compare to human lives, which I'm assuming has to be like a, a direct translation from something very poignant <laughs> in Japanese. <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful, and it's just the whole tone of the game is what's being kind of celebrated by fans over the years. Like maybe from an outside perspective, you know, if you're watching over someone's shoulder and you've never seen this game, you might go, "What this is." like incredibly dumb but that's what actually people love about Resident Evil 4 and it was a huge concern within the fan base I saw a lot of bitching when Resident Evil 4 remake was announced of people online just going well they're not going to keep the tone because that's what people love they love the silliness of it they love the Japanese take on an American action movie they love how like the voice actor for Leon does his darndest and but combination of him and the writing 
accidentally makes Leon this amazing character, almost like a parody of an action star. Because yeah. he says the lines, he says the one-liners like an action star, but sounds like such a fucking dork. It's so good. But that, yeah, that's what you like. Uh, like when um, they have to jump into like a garbage chute, and like Ashley's like, "No way, Leon!" And he's like, "Way." And then and then <laughs> and then they fall down, and uh, she's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "I knew you'd be fine if you landed on your butt." <laughs> Actually, um, it really, I love like the finished version. Really does sound like like it's they're recording a table read of the first draft of the script. And yeah, kind of, for sure. Yeah, good enough. <laughs> for sure. It's another thing as well. I love seeing all the the changes they make in um in the remake to make it just less mildly sexist. Yeah. I think no. I'm not even saying I'm laughing while saying this. I think Resident Evil Four is mild <laughs> weird sexism is funny. I might be an asshole, but I don't care. I love in that where he's on the speedboat with Ada Wong. She gives a bit of exposition, and then she ha- like mid sentence like harpoons herself up a cliff, and Leon's all like. <laughs> Women. <laughs> you know the way women are constantly like escaping from conversations on jet skis yeah. using rattle hooks. You know that old trope. I think they changed it to uh, "Story of My Life" yeah. in the in the new one or something like that. But um, to circle back to the president's daughter, Ashley, uh, she's become infamous for um, like whatever Leon. people. Leon, yeah, she has a really shrill voice. She's voiced by Sandy Cheeks from SpongeBob. Oh, right. I didn't know. Yeah. You don't know the actress's name off the top of my head, but um, she's become synonymous with when people talk about escort missions in games. She's like, people don't really like escort missions, especially back in the era when AI wasn't up to snuff. Mm-hmm. Escort missions essentially means you're protecting an AI character. Uh, but Ashley has never been that bad as a gameplay mechanic than people say. I think it's one of those things like, Navi from Ocarina of Time. Everyone says she's the most annoying character ever, and like she's fucking not. It's more just like internet culture yeah. can't have anything in kind of small doses. Everything has to be extreme. For a 2004 or five GameCube game, I actually think her AI is fine. She ducks when you point a gun at her if you're trying to shoot. Like there are, there will be times when you when when uh, she fucks up. But in terms of like her reputation, I think she's fine. Yeah, I think the vast majority of the sort of the, the big combat encounters during the time when you are escorting Ashley. There's usually like a locker or a bin or something. You can just put her in the bin, like just, just put her in the bin. Just put her in Women. the bin. Go do- <laughs> We Women. know what Leon thinks already, like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just stick her stick her in the misogyny bin and away you go. Go go kill some Spaniards and then when the coast is clear, you come back and get her. And Leon is an American killing these Spaniards. Mm. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't have jurisdiction. Oh. I know they're infected by uh, <laughs> spooky bugs and stuff like that, you know? But the body the body count is quite large, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a massacre, all right. Sorry, I went off on, <laughs> went off on a tangent there. I, I kind of feel like now is the time to move on to the remake. Yeah. In terms of just how I think they did... We'll talk about the gameplay in a second, but since we're talking about the goofiness of the original, I think they man- managed a fantastic balancing act of kind of qualming people's fears of the tone, the, the goofy-ass, stupid tone of the original kind of not being intact in the new one. I think they maintained it while also kind of bringing it to the level of the other remakes, making it more self-serious, yeah. more kind of, I don't know, more good. Well, <laughs> no, yeah. no, better voice acting characters who kind of sound like characters. It still feels like we're in B-movie territory, B kind of action movie, but people kind of talk like people. 
yet they kept one-liners they kept the, the, the goofiness there are set pieces not, not not every goofy ass set piece in the original makes it in if you if you really love the gigantic room full of molten lava in the original one where you have to shoot cult members on top of like giant dragon statues something dragon big yeah that's what it is fire breathing dragons you're shout out of luck that actually didn't make it into the new one or but, getting, getting chased by the 12 story tall statue but the statue's in it though actually is still there yeah which is good and to that, see and that's what kind of what i mean is they kind of um i know they kind of went against everyone's expectations of of the tone i think they oh, it is really goofy isn't it they kept in so much of it and i really applaud them for it yeah well i think they did well with it is well basically everything but one thing that i think they did well with it <laughs> is um like we mentioned earlier like the, the original game is not scary it's not right. really a scary game I think this one is. I think it is scary. Yeah, sure. Yep. I think sure. they, they've, they've made the horror elements more immediate, more visceral. And that's to do, I suppose, with just like the, the, the graphical uplift and being able to make the spooky things, you know, look more realistic and look clearer yep, on the screen. Sure. But I think in terms of like uh, tension and pacing and, and tone setting, they, they've just made the whole thing. It gets the heart rate up a bit more. It's a bit spookier. So then they've kind of earned the right to go a bit silly with the quips as well, because they can use those as a pacing technique mm. to, br- to break that, that tension and that horror buildup, kind of reset you a little bit so then they can start cranking it up and start building it up again, you know? So it, 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 it keeps the silliness, but it uses it in service of the overall tone of the game in a way that's really effective. Yeah, and I, I always thought, like, Resident Evil 4 is kind of its overall tone was that the further it went, the more it allowed itself to be goofy. Yeah. And I think that's a kind of intact in the remake where it is kind of like the, the village is always, I, I always think the village is the best area in the game. Yeah. And like this game, the remake opens with a poor hiker kind of being ritually sacrificed. And it's like already kind of much more kind of, you know, you know, uh, real horror. It's kind of, you know, violent and awful. So, like, Resident Evil 4 at the beginning, the remake does seem kind of like almost straight horror. And I just love the way it keeps that thing where you kind of look back 10 hours into the game and you're fighting, you know, giant bugs and you're fighting um, absolutely, like, why, why do, what's that guy you fight in the basement, Kev? The predator who chases you around? That guy? Oh, you know, the, <laughs> the Gariador, is it? Right, I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. You, you're, you're doing this, like ridiculous things and it's almost kind of novel to look back oh, remember when this was like really atmospheric in the village mm. at the start but i think that journey that the game takes you through in the remake and the first one is is absolutely a part of it for me particularly in the village section they've handled sort of the the passage of time in the game really well like the village changes each time you pass through it in those early chapters and gets sort of darker and weirder and more stressful um but even like to begin with, when you first arrive in that village, I suppose we should talk about it briefly, but that that sort of that opening set piece yeah. in both the original game and in the remake. It's one of the greatest gaming, like whatever you want to call it, moments, levels, set pieces of all time. That are, like the fact that the game has no chill almost. Oh, yeah. You have a very short opening. I'm talking about the original again now. You have a very short opening part and then you're suddenly in like the village square and you're being beset on all sides by all these enemies. You have very little ammo. And then suddenly a guy with a chainsaw is coming at you. It is so effective, so well done. And when this game was coming out, they just turned they just turned that new section into a demo. Mm. And I think that's an amazing way to like to sell the game because that it's it remains one of gaming's best 
set pieces levels moments ever i think yeah i don't know if that demo is still available but like anyone who's listening who hasn't played jonathan yeah jonathan marcy looking in your direction um <laughs> anyone listening who hasn't played uh resident evil 4 like check it out if that demo is available it'll let you know pretty quickly if this game is for you um because it is excellent it is just the, the combat design in the game is fantastic like you you can fight you can defend yourself to a point because they just keep coming and eventually like you have to start running into the houses and climbing up on roofs and staying mobile and yeah, yeah. avoiding constantly moving yeah yeah avoiding the guy with the chainsaw and in the new game obviously you have the the knife parries which were uh absolutely insane and greatly appreciated addition to the game um and it, it's pitched in such a way that like pretty much every time i do that section regardless of in the old game or the new game regardless of difficulty setting regardless of how confident i feel going into it i pretty much always get to the point where i'm like no nah, i'm fucked i fucked, <laughs> I fucked it. and as soon as i think that about three seconds later the bell rings and it ends it's almost as if the game is just trying to get you to the point where you think you've no chance and then they let you off the hook and the game continues. But it's just, it, it's gloriously stressful every time. And there's always the moment when you grab the shotgun and the second floor mm. of that house and you feel empowered. Yeah. But after a few shots, you're kind of out of shotgun. You're like, that wasn't enough to do much yeah. <laughs> against a wave of enemies that are coming at me. Yeah, that slowed the tide, but it didn't uh, it didn't stop anything. And that that's kind of um, a one-for-one um, recreation, a new one. Uh, they made it even better. And I think that's kind of par for the course with the remake is if you can think of an iconic set piece or moment from the original game, mm-hmm. I mean, we were eating well. They put them all in there. Yeah, it, basically they took what was good about the first game and made it a little bit better in pretty much every way. It's, um, it's a r- real achievement. Like I know we've pretty much any time we've spoken about a Capcom game lately, we've made the point that it's insane how well Capcom are doing at the moment. And I was saying to you, I think, over a message recently, like that at some point we have to stop being surprised by this. Like it, it, yeah, they're in, they're in a kind of a golden age at the moment. Yeah, it, it's, it's, not, it's not a blip in otherwise poor form anymore. It's just they're in good form. Like, at this point, if they release a stinker, that's the blip, not the, not the high-quality stuff, you know? Exoprimal? Yeah, it's going to be Exoprimal, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I break out in hives anytime they show Exo Primal in one of their shows. It could potentially be good, but I almost hate everything about it. I don't want to be a big naysayer, but I hate everything. I hate the way every trailer ends with like two minutes of all the extra shit you can buy if you buy like, you know, special editions and stuff like that. Like, oh, look, all these suits and guns you get. Oh my God. Yeah. It's coming to Game Pass. So I'll probably check it out there. But I absolutely will not spend any of my hard earned currency on it. Back to Resident Evil, though. We, do you want to do an Exo Primal? Will we do an Exo Primal episode when it comes out? I think we absolutely will. We'll just use Exo Primal on the title to sort of make it relevant and then just do an episode about Dino Crisis instead. So, yeah, Exo Primal aside, I said they, they recreated that opening village thing and, like, all my favorite parts are in the remake and accounted for. Vague question. Don't be angry at me. Kev, what are your favorite parts of Resident Evil 4 remake? Um, I like the video game. You like the whole video game? I do, yeah. No, I think there there definitely are um, bits that, that stand out for me. I like that that initial village section is absolutely a highlight. Um, uh, I think there's a similar sort of wave spawn bit later on where you're in the house with uh, Luis. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that is really well um, pitched. It's like they just keep coming. And there's loads of ammo. Like the house is littered with ammo. The enemies keep dropping ammo. But after a while, you have enough shots to take one enemy down. And you're hoping that he drops like six or seven handgun rounds so you can reload your gun and get the next guy down. And you're hoping that he drops him. And you're still just like going on fumes, but you're just going. And it's like, there's a couple of moments in the game where it's obviously designed to do that. There's another bit where you're sort of in the mines again with Louise, where, um, again, it's a sort of a wave spawny type bit where enemies are showing up. And you really, you honestly do feel like, I don't, I don't have enough resources to get through this, but I have to try. And you just, just scrape through by the skin of your teeth every time. And it's exhilarating. It's, yeah, it's so, it's so satisfying. It's so good. Uh, and I, I'm a standard boy. I haven't played this game. <laughs> I haven't played this game on professional or anything. Yeah, I well, found it quite challenging on standard, and I don't mind saying that on a, on a public forum. Yeah, and the the difficulty description for standard was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, this, really kind of messed up my head. This is the difficulty level for people who have not played Resident Evil Four before. That's not me. Yeah, because yeah. I'm I'm a standard boy across the board. Like I I would never <laughs> never play on on a harder difficulty. Um. Or very rarely, anyway. Um, just because life's too short, you know? Oh, you know, also, my connection between my brains and my finger inputs just ain't what it used to be. Yeah, I'm old and I'm weak. And I, have, I have a saggy, saggy brain. I thought Resident Evil 4 Remake was very challenging, man. I thought, and, and that bit you said there with the in the cave when there's like a, a wave of enemies and then like two chainsaw guys coming yeah. at you. One of my absolute favorite parts in the game, and, and this, it, it, it's very good at doing this sometimes, where, yeah, Everything is accounted for. Like, there's like a part. It like you know, you walk into that famous room in the castle with all the water fountains. The water you know? hall, yeah, yeah, the water hall. And I'm like, oh, I know what I'm doing here. So, as a huge fan of the original, while playing the remake, I was like, oh, I'm doing this part now. I'm like, oh, I, as soon as I round the corner, I'm like, oh, this is the part where the two El Gigante are going to. I have to fight them over the lava pit and stuff like that. Yeah. But it kind of a couple of times, you know, threw me for a loop. Like, there's a bit towards the end of the village where you get attacked by two ladies wielding chainsaws. Mm. And I literally said out loud, I was like, oh, you're still in this game. They moved you. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're here now. My <laughs> sisters are here. Yes. Yeah. And also the the, the little pup, the dog. The little, little pupper, yeah. Who at the beginning of the game, in the original game, you save him from a bear trap and then he comes back and saves you at a pivotal moment later. And before the game came out, fans were distraught because at the beginning of the game now, they could see it in trailers and in the demo, you walk past the corpse of a dog. Yeah. People are like, Capcom, you fucking killed the dog. Uh, but no, he they... I, I, I hate to use this term. They subverted our expectations, Kev. Yeah, they did. They pulled a Ryan Johnson on us. Yeah, and Superdog is still there and still <laughs> an absolute hero. And my favorite boss fight in the game is um, possibly my favorite character in the game, Salazar, Ramon Salazar. Yeah. The Castellan of the castle who's a, a little weird fucking gremlin. He's just, he's just a little weird guy. Who's a great, like he was goofy as shit in, um, in the original one. Yeah, one one element they took out of the new one, Kev, actually, is where villains call you up on your radio. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I always remember it. I love the lines like, Salazar, it's you? Yes, we've jacked the line. Uh, but he's not. he doesn't do that <laughs> in, the, in the new one, but he's great. He's just really creepy and weird, and you fight him at the end of the castle, and um, he's not a great boss in the original. No. And my expectations were subverted again, where he's an absolutely phenomenal boss in the remake. 
he's one of my favorite parts in that whole game. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's it's excellent because that boss fight in the original is kind of dog shit to the point. Yeah, where... he's just kind of he's like he becomes like a mutant wall. Yeah, you just, have, you just have to kind of shoot him from a distance. You just have to shoot him from a distance. There's large parts of the arena where you fight him where he can't hit you. Like if you go far enough mm. to the right or to the left, you can just stand there and keep shooting him. It feels a bit cheesy, but it's how it's designed. Normally, when I'm playing original four, that's where I'll use a, a missile launcher. Not Kill not him. not out of difficulty, just to skip it. You just can kill just, him in one hit, is you it? Just one, yeah, you can just one shot him with a rocket launcher and move on. That's so funny because I just don't want to waste my time with him. I love the way that is like, you know, that's not um, Ludo narrative dissonance at all. No. That is what Leon S. Kennedy would do in this situation. Right. The villain would be giving a speech and he'd take out a rocket launcher and shoot him. 100%, yeah. That's I think right. he's lying in that one is uh, Salazar is saying like he turns into a big flesh monster and then Leon goes, monsters. <laughs> After this, there'd be one less to worry about. Yeah. It's a good one, isn't it? That's very clunky. Is it? Do you think so? There's a there's a bit uh, in, in the aforementioned um, Ramon Salazar jacking the line, where um, just to introduce, you're happy with that accent that you keep doing? <laughs> yeah, okay. for sure. Okay, carry on. For sure. <laughs> well, now I'm not. <laughs> now, like literally 100 percent of my confidence just like I mean, for, got yanked out of me. For continuity and for editing purposes, you're gonna have to keep doing it. So carry on. <laughs> but they have they have this whole British feel where he's like, you know, I can't remember, I can't quote this one exactly. <laughs> he's like, um, you're just a player in my script. He's like, leave me out of your crappy script. And it's just, it's that whole, like, they, they say, like, three back and forths. And it is verbatim in the new one. Mm. Only, only it's play, they, they say it while you're fighting the boss. Yeah. They, like, say, like, over gameplay. And I was just, to go back to that, I'm just impressed with all the goofiness that they managed to, like, keep in. Like, like even new goofiness. When you first fight the, um... The, armors. The, the animated ad suits of armor he goes nighty night nights after he kills them i'm like yeah. wow this that, is the uh, commitment it is that got a standing ovation out of me all right i was very happy with that one what does he say to the final boss kev when he kills him it's it's great yeah how about this holy or no what oh nam what did i bring it up he said he he jams a scepter into him and goes where's your messiah now <laughs> i can't actually remember i brought it up yeah it's, it really is something like How's this for a holy spirit? <laughs> it's not that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't remember. Hope you like your communion wafer spicy. <laughs> I'm leaving that in out of shame. Good. What do you think? What do you think of the versions of these characters? Because I want to. I want to go immediately to Ashley, who is not a real human being in the original. Yeah, she is some kind of ageless fucking gremlin. I don't know what she's not a human character. Oh. She doesn't act like a human. She's and she's, she's fucking shrill and annoying. Credit where credit's due. Ashley in this one seems like a goddamn human being. She acts in a way that a scared college student would act in this situation. I thought her voice actress was fantastic, and it's kind of emblematic of this game's whole kind of improvement of the story overall. If you're in the camp that making it better is an improvement. Yeah, um, yeah, no, they've they've really nailed um, the the whole vibe with Ashley in that one because, as you said, Ashley in the first game is a plot device. She's, she's <laughs> not a, she's not a character. She's she's the MacGuffin that you're there to get, and then once you have her, she is a plot mechanic that you have to shepherd from one side of the map to the other. Wait, okay, okay, okay. Can I try? Um, hold on. I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't. But um, isn't it? Um, she meets Luis, and uh, oh, no. What? What? No, let's do it. And and he he says, um, ah, 
I see the president has equipped his daughter with ballistics. How rude. My figure has nothing to do with my standing. Who are you? (laughs) Second favorite game of all time. (laughs) Yeah, dreadful dreadful stuff. Um, Yeah, they have, they, like, they made Ashley into a character, into a person. They made, like, as you said, her sort of, her fear is, is believable, it's understandable, because it's how a person would react in these circumstances. The more time she spends with Leon, the sort of the more confident she gets. Um, you can see some some growth in the character, some sort of development in the sort of the sort of protector protectee relationship between them. Yeah, they give they give them a much better arc. Yeah, yeah it's, and it's it's not like amazing writing or anything, but it's it, it it's it's good for a, like I said, they overuse it a B movie. Mm. It's good. She kind of begins to see herself more as a partner. She gets confidence and stuff like that. It's good stuff. It's fine. Yeah, it is. Um, and I think they, there was a similar, um, although maybe a bit more contested by internet nerds, uplift for Ada. I thought Ada was, was much, much better in this. Um, although I, I know that is not necessarily the consensus. No, but Resident Evil and Capcom fans are super cool because they didn't like the voice act- actor for Ada, so they bullied her off Instagram. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fucking. Ugh. Yeah, that's a shame. Uh, the, the fan base are the fucking worst, as with every fan base ever um but yeah i thought i thought her performance was great i thought that like she is the sort of ada's character in that game is someone who is forced into doing something that she doesn't necessarily want to do and that sort of reluctance or sort of ennui or you know sadness about what's going on kind of comes through yeah it comes through in this performance i can see that people might be unhappy with sort of the energy of the performance but i mean it makes sense in the context of the story they're telling, you know? You can kind of see that she's trying to be like a quippy femme fatale, which is what Ada Wong's character is only in the original games. Yeah. But yeah, that there's a little bit of a kind of jadedness, kind of a sadness to it as well. Yeah, I thought, I, honestly, I was I was really impressed with it. I was surprised when I saw the backlash online um, because while playing the game, it was one of the things that I was particularly impressed with. And how about Leon S. Kennedy himself, the main man, my favorite Resident Evil character ever? He's a, I, I called him a fucking dork in the original game. I think they did a good job. He's still a quippy dork, but same, he's, he seems a little bit broken. He seems like the last six years have been rough. He's, 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 he was super idealistic in Resident Evil 2 Remake, and that's kind of been wrung out of him. Again, it's not amazing stuff. It's not the best writing you'll ever see in a video game. But it, it, it does it, it's so it does such good service to this story, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think you kinda of hit the nail on the head there. This this isn't a representation of the character of Leon S. Kennedy as we've known him for the past twenty years or twenty five years or however long it's been. This is the same Leon S. Kennedy from the Resi two remake. Hmm. Six years later after he's been through some shit. And it absolutely it works. Like it it um there's enough goofiness still there. There's enough of the sort of the, the action hero quipping. The two things are at odds exactly to the right degree. Like the the, the voice the voiceover performance is just really solid. It's really good. It's not my favorite performance in the game. I do think that that like both Ashley and Ada nail it better. But like I've no I've no issues with Leon's performance in that game at all. I read like Luis as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. and also they they clearly when planning out this one, definitely in a meeting said we killed him off too early in the original one. Yeah. He dies so suddenly in the original one. Like he's, he, you don't know who he is. He's this fucking roguish guy you run into, but it turns out he's a scientist and he can help you with stuff. And he just dies 
very unceremoniously and they give him much more of an arc. He's a, he's obsessed with Don Quixote in this one. Yeah, and he's cool. I, I really like him. And uh, I really like Krauser. You don't, he's, you don't need to do much with Krauser, but, you know, he's better again. They've, they've improved that. They've improved that boss fight from the. That boss fight was excellent. Yeah, it was absolutely excellent. And like, what does uh, what does Leon say when he kills him again? He's like, "I taught you well, Leon, that you did, Colonel, that you did." And I was like, "Wow, am I actually like invested in this? <laughs> I didn't think I would be." Yeah, um, and it's it's a, a huge improvement over something from the original game that we haven't really spoken about. Uh, the absolute bane of original Resident Evil Four for anyone going back to it now. That is the quick time events. They are everywhere and they are dog shit. It ages the game so potently, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. They're really, really like intrusive. They're sort of key moments in gameplay where you're like, I would love to actually play the game now to do this. But no, I'm holding square and exit together while Leon does fucking Matrix backflips or something. <laughs> and it was a clear design philosophy to scrub them entirely. They're not even in the game, kind of, and like they, they're, they were in vogue back when Resident Evil came out. But you still Resident Evil Four came out, but you still see them in games to this day. Yeah, they're actually a little couple of them in the Final Fantasy Sixteen demo, Kev. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, they made the choice to kind of like I, it's the, Resident Evil Four remake is like when people look back historically now, it's the kind of that's the one that's kind of exemplified as oh quick time events, you know? Yeah. I always remember Shen Mew and the Dreamcast. Yeah. That's where I first saw them. And I was actually as a little kid convincing myself that Shen Mew was very good. I, I um I love them. But I'm so glad <laughs> that they're gone. And what I read online uh from the developers is uh when you fight Krauser, the first half of the fight in the original game is all done in quick time events. So yeah. Leon and him are having a really badass knife fight. And you press A, you press B, you press R at the right time to dodge the knife. And they were kind of like, can we actually make this a proper knife fight in, in this game? Yeah. And apparently the fact that the knife is such a prevalent mechanic through the entire game actually stemmed from that first. They were like, oh, can, we do the, can we do the Krauser fight properly? And then when they were designing that, they were kind of like, you know what? This knife is like really fun to use. We should make it a major focus for the main combat in the games. In that, the game. that absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that Krauser knife fight is great in the new game. It's so much fun. Uh, I, uh, I I got the trophy for blocking his attacks five times in a row. I mean, my knife. So did I. Stupid knife. People aren't going to believe me now. Kevin got it. People aren't going to believe me now. Highlander rules. There can only be one. Breath of the Wild is so um, infamous for having uh, breakable weapons, Kev. Yeah. Did you have any problems with the knife being such a central focus and it being um, something that can break over time? Problems? No. I thought it was... It's just... Resident Evil games, survival horror games, have always, to some degree, been about resource management. You You have a finite amount of health, you have a finite amount of ammo, you have a finite amount of healing items how you spend those currencies in the encounters is essentially the game. It's about making yeah. choices based on the resources you have. So it's it's less that the knife has durability or whatever. It's just that you now have a knife resource. So you have to choose when to spend it. Can I survive taking this hit or do I need to parry it now? You know, um, Can I finish this enemy off with a knife? Should I use ammo? Do I have more ammo than I have knife health left? It just adds an extra little wrinkle to the decision space for it. I think the game would be infinitely worse with an unlimited knife to begin with. 
I think part of that decision making is what makes it interesting. Well, you completely well said, and I think stuff like that, like you just said, like the knife becoming a resource you have to worry about. It's so funny because Resident Evil Four is a game that kind of took the franchise out of the survival horror genre, mm. that and and then ended up taking out for years until Resident Evil Seven came out in like 2016, 17. Um, and isn't it weird that Resident Evil Four remake because of these design decisions and these mechanics, and 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 even though it's still you know big action set pieces, there's an exploding helicopter, a guy called Mike dies, all that stuff. <laughs> Isn't it more survival horror again? It, it's kind of balancing Resident Evil's DNA as an action game with really good survival horror mechanics, and I think that might be one of its big, biggest successes. Absolutely, yeah. Like I have, I have long maintained um, in in boring conversations with people who probably didn't want to be there <laughs> that Resident Evil Four is the best video game with Resident Evil in the title, but it's not the best Resident Evil game because it fundamentally wasn't Resident Evilly enough for me. So I would have I would have always said that the 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 remake of one was the best Resident Evil game, but that four was the best video game with Resident Evil in the title. I now no longer need that long walk caveat because I can just say the remake of Resident Evil Four is the best one. Yeah, it's it's the best game in the series and it's the best at the survival horror Resident Evil thing. Wow, it just yeah. it just does it all better than anything else. And I fucking love a lot of these recent Resident Evil games. So oh, it's man. not that I'm down on the franchise. I hope we've established that across multiple hours of ranting on <laughs> podcasts now. Um, but I honestly, I do think that the remake of 4 is 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 the high point. And I think another amazing part of the balancing act is that it doesn't delete the need for the original one. Absolutely. I think it's a better, I think the remake is a better game. And, and someone who like genuinely like loves the original with all my heart, I, just, I think it's like kind of pound, pound for pound, the better game. But yet, it kind of sits comfortably beside its original, Absolutely. which is nice. They yeah. offer different experiences. They offer different vibes. Yeah, uh, there, I, there's I, room I, for both to exist sort of as, as companion pieces to each other. Um, they both do things differently enough to, to merit being played. Like uh, they're, they're available on current gen, both versions. Um, just, just play them. Just play them both. And kind of therefore kind of makes Resident Evil 4 remake the perfect remake. And I know we live in the age of remakes and we kind of, I, I know we're supposed to be kind of like, oh, ugh. but I just feel like we've gotten so many good ones. Like the, I love the Final Fantasy VII remake. I'm mad excited for the sequel to that. Yeah. And the re- re- remake of the Stick with Capcom, the remake of Resident Evil 2 was phenomenal. And again, like, yeah, I'm, I'll always cry out for new original things. But I don't know if we're getting games as good as the original Evil 4 remake have then like keep them coming. Also, yeah. you know, feed that you know nostalgia center of my brain and give me that sweet serotonin you know yeah absolutely i mean like yes there is an over-reliance on remakes and remasters in gaming at the moment it just kind of feel like publishers are kind of in a holding pattern at the moment waiting to see what the next big thing that they can cash in on is i think there was a lot of hope staked on like live service games particularly sony are, are kind of rolling the dice on live services a lot at the moment and going forward and until it becomes clear what the next big moneymaker is. Nostalgia is an easy way to make money. So the remakes and the remasters are going to keep happening. If they're going to keep happening, I want Capcom to keep making them because they're just nailing it, you know? Um, I did a sur- I did a Capcom survey recently, an official oh, one. Oh, yes. Yeah. What were the choices? One, yeah, no, uh, one of the questions was just out and out, what Resident Evil would you like to see remade next? Multiple choice and, or give and, an answer. 
Uh, there was multiple fields. You can give as many as you wanted. No, you 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 type. Okay. You type the answers. So, gun, so I did. Gun Survivor, uh, Gun Survivor Two. I did, <laughs> no Resident Evil Gaiden for the Game Boy Color. Obviously, that's what, that's what I put in. No, I did put in Code Veronica. Okay. Because I because I think you know, like you said, it is you know, like it has aged in ways you know problematic ways. The gameplay is isn't even like you know, you know, much to write home about honestly. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's it is the real Resident Evil Four in terms of plot yeah you know what i mean um i think it's a kind of a hidden chapter it's where claire and chris reunite it's like and what villain villainous wester comes back into the scene in that one i think they could they'd have to i gave them carte blanche to change it much more than they changed any remake so far but i would like to see it done yet with the mid-credit sequence of resident evil 4 remake it very much seems like they're oh my god they're gonna take a swing at a resident evil 5 remake aren't they well, like with the run of form that Capcom are on with these remakes, and with the fact that the sort of the, as we discussed at length on our episode, like the core kernel of Resident Evil Five as a co-op experience, actually really good. They're very fun. There's Extremely. enough good stuff there, and this team is doing well enough at the moment. I'd love to see them take a run of five. I think Code Veronica, like a substantial overhaul of Code Veronica would probably result in something maybe more interesting and yeah. more worthwhile. It's a game that maybe needs an uplift more, but like a, a full co-op re- ground up remake of Resi 5 with a lot of the shittier elements sort of sanded off or cut out. Oh boy, I'm on board for that. And with Resident Evil 4, we would have been up in arms, you know, all the fans, if, like, they took out this set piece, if they took out this boss. So there was a kind of a comfort to seeing all the things that remained and were glowed up. But with Code Veronica and 5, I'd be like, rip out it, rip out their guts. Mm, yeah. Change entire parts of the game. Rip out set pieces if you want. I don't need to see those games recreated. Yeah, strip strip exactly. it down to its skeleton and rebuild it. Yeah, like, for sure. This, uh, this is not a facelift. We need a full fucking Robocop on this job. But I'm hoping Resident Evil um, 9 next, before any of that. Ideally, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that the Resident Evil 8 DLC, you played it, right? Yeah, loved it. Yeah, it kind of put, a rest, put to rest that kind of chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Ethan Winters uh, and his daughter, and it was set 16 years after all the other games, so I don't know if they're going to go from that timeline or they're just going <laughs> to jump back. But I think we're in a very interesting position with Resident Evil now where it's kind of like, you know, did the two other big changes in it, Resident Evil 4, which we're talking about this whole episode, and Resident Evil 7 was the other huge kind of like, we're ripping it all out, we're doing something new. I think we could be there again with Resident Evil 9. I would like to see them take a wild-ass swing with it. Wild-ass yeah. swing. Yeah, well, I mean, if they're entertaining the idea of 5, then maybe maybe 9 could be a co-op experience as well. Maybe if, if they're looking into sort of a multiplayer experience a new mainline co-op resi game i'd be interested yeah. i'm interested i trust capcom at the moment like you said yeah. you know but kevin will we leave it there i think so we, we just about covered it another resident evil episode under our belt yeah so i suppose for any of the resident evil fans out there who presumably will be the only people who've made it to the end of this um <laughs> that's our our full coverage of all the numbered resident evil games um, yeah, if you're in a big Resident Evil mood, sometimes just go back through our archives. We've now covered all the numbered ones. Yeah, and one, uh, one. Yeah, we, I was about to say we didn't do six, but we fucking did do six. Did six yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All the the mainline number games are now covered. And if you ever see us releasing an episode on Zero and Code Veronica, 
just know that we've run out of ideas. Okay. No, no. I'll tell you what, before we go, I'll, I'll give my full review of Resident Evil Zero. Yeah, do it, man. Opening hour, really solid. Once you leave the train, kind of dog shit. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you my full review of Resident Evil Code Veronica. Okay. Uh, Kevin and I couldn't finish it because we didn't have enough ammo to beat the last boss. Yeah. That shouldn't be possible, so fuck them. <laughs> we, we are famously bad at video games, though. Also true, but that shouldn't factor into it. Okay, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Hey Look Listen, everyone. Uh, we hope you join us next time. Uh, we hope you're enjoying your summer. Isn't that a, that's a kind of a wholesome thing, wholesome thing for me to say yeah. to end of, isn't it? Yeah. You like that? Yeah. yeah. Almost sounds like you mean it, too. I was joined here by Kevin O'Carroll. My name was Liam Sheen, and thank you so much, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks very much, guys. Bye.